0: What good is film criticism? What does it add to the world to make the lives of moviegoers better? We discuss this and more with special guest Kevin McCreary on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, culture critic, culture maker, and maker critic. And with me, as always, is my discouragingly dreamy co-host.
1: That's me. My name is Nathan Clarkson. I am a filmmaker, actor, and author. And as far as my last thing, I can't think of anything much this week, but in, in, in light of what we're speaking about, I will say I'm an artist who has had their work criticized. So that is an identity I'm willing to accept.
0: Hmm, I feel well. All right, we'll let you get away with that. We'll <laughs> let you get away with that one.
2: Um, and was that today, a cop out? Was that a cop out answer? A little bit, little uh, bit. I'm with this. I'm an artist with a chip
1: on his shoulder. There you go. <laughs>
2: but that's just an artist. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> nah, all right. Well well, well,
0: we'll let him do it. We'll let him do it. And as you're already hearing today, we have a very special guest. He is a film critic, a speaker. And the host of the hilarious YouTube show "Say Goodnight, Kevin," where he comedically critique, critiques Christian content of the film variety, he is the courageous, the cantankerous, the carnivorous Kevin McCreary. Kevin, welcome
2: to the podcast. Wow, what an intro! Thank I you. I can see why you needed notes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of alliterations takes a lot yeah. of writing. What,
2: what uh, did
0: I miss? Anything? Anything else in your pedigree? I should. Uh, you should. No, be that's on. literally Shut everything. Up.
1: That specifically starts with the cug sound. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Well, perfect then. I so, mean we could go through the alphabet,
2: I guess, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tried to do K's, but there's just not as many good things with K's.
2: Yeah, and you gotta be careful how many K's Careful.
0: That's true, but that's also C. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. still C. Well it's homeschool, I don't <laughs> <laughs> No. I was no, thinking of the
2: aspect ratio. Don't do that. Do not do not <laughs> reinforce the stereotype about homeschoolers. Um, <laughs> all right. I was thinking of like four K, eight K.
1: That's yeah. true. The four
0: K. Oh, oh, that's good. Well, next time, next time we have you on if you,
2: if you, if you will speak to us after this yeah, podcast. We'll then, yeah, we'll you know, see. We'll see. Wow, this, I feel like this is. I feel like I'm on my own podcast because <laughs> podcast, you, are, like, you are. This, this, is actually, this like actually, we'll see awesome if you like the after this attitude, which is uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> how I feel
2: when I Record mine
0: podcast. Oh man, don't don't get me started. Uh, so today we are talking about film criticism. The American public has a mixed relationship with film critics. On the one hand, film critics are often beloved celebrities with not inconsiderable influence, most notably Roger Ebert. But today there are many successful film critic celebrities on YouTube, including some of my favorites like Grace Randolph, John Campion, Nostalgia Critic, who you, Kevin, even based your initial persona, Nostalgia Christian, on. Uh, the influence has real tangible effects. Wired published a piece called Rotten Tomatoes and the Unbearable Heaviness of Data, where they argued that the website Rotten Tomatoes that aggregates reviews by film critics may have a huge determining effect on what movies people go to see, and therefore the film studios make. On the other hand, film critics are often target of hate both by filmmakers and audiences. Filmmakers often accuse film critics who don't like their films of being bitter, joyless parasites who yeah. crush people's dreams because they aren't <laughs> talented enough to make something themselves. Amen. <laughs> sure. Amen. As, as illustrated in fictional critics personified in movies like Ratatouille, Birdman, and The Greatest Showman or of not using their influence to support the right kind of films. A few recent guests, Alyssa Wilkinson, critiqued filmmakers for, in her Vox article, The Real Reason We Need More Diversity in Film Criticism. Audiences will often accuse critics of elitism or outlike conspiracy if the critics don't like a movie they like, such as in the case of DC films or liking a film they don't like, such as the case of the recent Star Wars films. Many people, even people who enjoy film critics, have a hard time describing what good film critics really do and what they add to the world. So, Kevin. As a film from one film critic to another film critic what do you think film critics do that is important and at what point did you too become a bitter joyless parasite who crushes people's dreams yeah
2: <laughs> i uh love this podcast <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i just rather just sit here and listen to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> We like that was, a great, as well. that was great that was the best worded question full of so much information and analysis Whew! Giving, I'm, I'm he's giving of a good, yes. podcast on the podcast this is already
0: an inception podcast <laughs> episode that is the best review i've gotten for for the podcast yet yeah <laughs> so,
2: thank you very much you're a good <laughs> you You're like please that go to go to itunes and uh write that down in the comments there you go, exactly. Uh, the beauty of this is I'm also avoiding answering the question. <laughs> yes, I noticed We can that. do this for an hour. Yes. <laughs> no, Um. man, but what I love about what you just said is that it, it got me thinking about all of this as well. Like, I don't, I, I think about film criticism. Uh, I think about, you know, there's that kind of aspect I I often think about just the fact that, you know, who am I to like criticize a movie because I don't make movies. And I think that's what a lot of people would, you know, especially filmmakers might feel like, well, what, what do you try it sometime? This is, (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) and then the, uh, the idea of like the awe of me that I have towards anybody who has the ability to make a movie because Hmm. um, I've been, I, I love movies and I in college I remember I tried to start a few bands and mm-hmm. the ability to get four people together <laughs> at the same time to do a thing uh is impossible. It's yeah. almost impossible. And I go to a movie and I see like all the people and I know it part of it has to do with money sometimes, but sometimes bit. it doesn't. And people get coming together and creating this huge thing and it not just ending up like the original cut of the justice league uh, <laughs> is amazing. Like I'm amazed every that movie. not every movie doesn't turn yeah. out that way or worse. Yeah. yeah. And so there's that side of me that feels that. Mm. Um, and, and so when criticizing, when being, when doing like a video about a movie, it is not that side of me making the video <laughs> or mm-hmm. writing the review yeah. but it's it's more as a customer writing about my experience compared to like other experiences mm-hmm. I've had and mm-hmm. um, and I think that one thing that you what you were just talking about made me think about is just that you mentioned several times just kind of the influence and the power and the celebrity um, all things I don't have which is great but <laughs> definitely is kind of the, the, what rubs people the wrong way about critics, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Even you look at Ratatouille, and one of my favorite movies, um, and it has a critic who is a celebrity critic, right. who mm-hmm. has allowed so much power, like what he says will determine the success of a restaurant. Right. And that's, uh, that's weird like it's weird that people hold people in such high esteem Mm. and uh, people who have not like I think there are film critics who have just great takes on movies but that's what it should be I think that it is weird that sometimes we get this huge disparity between critics and audiences Mm. um because who's then who maybe people just like hearing pretentious thoughts (laughs) like Mm. I don't like watching I don't agree with them about movies but I like hearing their thoughts Thoughts I don't agree with, yeah. um, you know, just from the market. But like, that,
0: that's our our whole audience feels that yeah. way. For us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I tend and to this... think
2: of critics as a, a like the idea of criticism to me. I think is a good thing. Uh, yeah. I think that if you narrow it down to what service is it providing, mm-hmm. it's yeah. the same as. Uh, consumer reports or even an amazon review you know i scroll down and look at what the the rating is and if it's got like two and a half stars i'm like well why and i'll read why like that's really helpful because these are real customers and so you're getting their perspective on their experience with this product um and sometimes you'll get people who are paid to go in and, and say this is great (laughs) <laughs> uh, but you can kind of and, – and Amazon has countered that by creating, like, certified purchasers and, and that sort of thing. And sure. we, I think we all – nobody's, like, going on TV and saying, I can't believe this person gave this, uh, this Amazon review of this product. <laughs> you know, like, we don't look sure, like at yeah. that in the same way. Yeah.
1: and but I, I think there's a reason for that. I think the reason no one is going on – and talking about the Amazon review, um, as someone who actually has Amazon reviews on their projects. Oh, uh, and, do you and have Amazon reviews on Yeah, I do, your yeah, oh. a few, oh. just, a, just a few uh, hundred. How, how many times are you going to mention that in this episode? <laughs> a lot. <Okay. laughs>
2: That's the pinnacle of
1: success. <laughs> uh, who's I, the one with Amazon reviews? I think the people get upset is because they know it holds fairly small amount of power. Right. I think they get upset yeah. to the degree of power it holds. And I think...
2: Yes. That's actually what I was getting at, that like, I think that's, that's what it kind of boils down to is, is that sort of kind of power and, and influence. Well, and I
1: think critics sometimes, and I see Joseph has allowed me, I have a few questions I'm going to pose to both of you because Joseph typically is a question master and I get to sit back and cross my legs and, uh, (laughs) and wing it. But this time I have questions because as someone who has both made films and written books, and I, I want to even widen this, just on the artistic sure. um, uh, medium as a whole, meaning writing, art, uh, literature, movies, film, whatever it would be, um, just in, in criticism in general, I want to talk about, I think it's an interesting thing, because I, I hear a lot of critics kind of downplay their influence. Oh, I'm just giving my opinion. Oh, sure. it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. And I think... Hey, I hey! You Chris said Colby. that
2: you you just said that in a uh, in a funny voice. But if you didn't say it in a funny voice, I would agree with it. I think uh... <laughs> I'm just giving my. Opinion. <laughs>
1: but it, but I I do think they down I do think they downplay it and. I think that, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I do think, I hate to quote the old great movie with, uh, great, with great power comes great responsibility. I think a lot of the reason, and I'm projecting here, that critics don't want to accept that they actually have influence and power in the world, especially in the zeitgeist of whatever community or culture they're in, is because it would almost hinder them from being more honest and they don't want to take on the responsibility of, you know, you made allusions to jokes about crushing the souls of young artists. And so I do think there is a weird responsibility that critics have, and it's one I'm really glad I don't have um, because, you know, I hear both of you and I, and I think the critics' job is very important. I, I think especially in this, um, and Kevin, you're acquainted with this world, a very small kind of niche world of, of faith filmmaking. I yeah. think that critics provide the service of saying, essentially, we can be better. Here's how we are better. But if we're not careful, and I see this in almost every arena, be it political, be it religious, be it whatever it is, it can turn into um, bitterness or anger. And I think that is when it becomes non-constructive, when snark is given more of a stage than actual constructive criticism. And and there's a lot more things I wanna say, but I wanna know, I guess from you guys, um, what do you think is really, what, what do critics offer the artistic world and what would the world look like if we didn't have them? Why are critics necessary? And, when, and more personally, why do you believe what you're doing is a good thing?
0: Oh, I don't I mean. think what I'm doing is a good thing.
1: Some of them wanna see the world burn.
0: Exactly, yes. No, so you can, you yeah, can take true. your first, Kevin.
2: That, well, that's the difference between me and, and a lot of Christian filmmakers. I also don't think what I'm doing is a good thing. <laughs> <I> <laughs> but you presumably like doing it and can that's sleep fair. at night.
1: Yeah. Well, sometimes. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you think that people... what you do has a constructive, a a good. Because I I actually do. I think your videos are important. Yeah. Um. But do you, wh- how do you see what you do, and how do you see it affecting the world in which you live?
2: Yeah. Well, I I have had people comment, and I've had to stay up at night thinking through, like, well, did I was I too hard on that? Mm. And then obviously I come to the conclusion that I'm never wrong, and they're the ones with the problem. (laughs) Yeah, you fit in here, but I mean that is part of that's their feedback on my art. I don't turn my comments off
1: on my Mm -hmm. videos.
2: People can comment and criticize and say whatever they want as long as they're being you know unless they start like posting spam or something. But I don't delete comments, and I think that's great. I think that that's important, and it has affected me and in my approach to movies. Um, I think that having conversations with film directors, that's why I started my podcast, was to uh, talk about um, hmm. the things that I have said in videos. Alex Kendrick, kind of among my audience, famously talked with me about, um, about some things that I had gotten wrong on my podcast about uh, aspects of who they are and their motivations. Uh, and that gave me a lot of perspective, and it made me think about how I kind of make character assumptions when mm. I'm reviewing a movie. Now, sometimes I do make assumptions about motivations or reasons why certain um, certain choices were made. Because to a degree, you have to, right? right as an audience member, I'm not like doing a behind the scenes this is how they did it i'm like man what would have motivated there's speculation i'm reverse engineering the film to speculate why why this why why did yeah. this happen uh but i think um yeah what was the question did i answer it
1: <laughs> <laughs> you answered it don't even worry about it yeah.
2: no <laughs> i think i think that there is a significant i think what you get when you don't have critics is kind of the christian movie industry yeah, I think that there's a that's an industry that not that there's nobody criticizing it, but there are a lot of people who, I mean there's a lot of websites that are very popular uh that will and I'm sure a, a lot of our viewers find them very useful uh but that review movies based on family friendliness. Yeah. And I think that that's useful if you have kids or if you're specifically looking for that, but there's a different um there's a different service that's provided in reviewing a movie based right. on quality. Yeah. And and it's, uh, I guess, enjoyability to the, the, the mainstream. So yeah. there's this built-in safety mechanism within Christian movies to be able to write off most critics who are reviewing just based on how good the movie is as uh, atheists or secular. Persecution. Or, uh, persecution, yeah. yes. Yeah. You have an agenda against Christians, so I don't have to listen to this criticism. And that's something that I've... I'm glad that i've been able to kind of be a critic while also being a christian and not hiding that fact for one i think it shows that hey it's not because of jesus that people aren't paying attention to your content because people <laughs> could be because jesus so terribly <laughs> but i think that it's uh you know i think that there's a level to which um i'm able to kind of say things that christian movie mm-hmm. filmmakers will hear because they're not, they can't write me off as just an atheist who hates God.
0: Yeah. No, that's really good. I think for me, um, first of all, and we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast, Nathan, um, criticism is good. Yes. Like, not like, let's take it out of art criticism. Like everyone knows, in order to thrive and flourish as human beings, we need sometimes to be criticized. Because scripture
1: is full of criticism.
0: Yeah, it's it's a a lot of, hey, this is, you're doing this wrong. And that's all Paul did, is to criticize his friends. Right, exactly, because we can't always see if we're
2: doing something. St. Peter.
0: Yes, yes. No, there's so much that we do that we don't see what we're doing wrong, um, whether it's, you know, morally or just in terms of excellence in any Mm. other area, um, that we need somebody else to point it out uh, what we're doing wrong. I always hate this thing where people say, if you can't, like, you know, make a movie that you can't criticize a movie, that's garbage. Um, because yeah. I, can, I can tell if a chair is bad, even though I've never made a chair.
1: How dare you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> 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 I, you know, I'm sitting in the chair, I know it's not working, Yeah, you right. know? And yeah, I thing customary. is, I think that, right. And so, you know, film critics or art critics do that professionally with certain kinds of art, because, you know, they can, and this is the thing, what the value that art critics or film critics do and the reason they have certain, an outsized credibility than audience members do is because they can spend a lot more time doing just that, criticizing it, and therefore they can get better at that. That I perhaps
1: it does come out of a place of actually loving the form yes. and wanting to be better. Oh, exactly. That's my, I want to believe that's the impetus no, I for mean, many critics. Look, it, look, very few people are
0: going to spend a lot of time on something if they don't actually love it. It's like, you know, again how horrible would it be to hate movies and spend your whole time, you know, even if you kind of
2: bash all of them, having to watch. Yeah, I mean, how horrible would it be to spend all your time watching bad Christian movies? (laughs) 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 Well, see,
1: no. To be fair. To be fair. But you still you still love Jesus and you want the Christian film to succeed. You love films and you love Jesus and you want yes. to see these two overlap in some sort of meaningful right. and beautiful. So way. it's a
0: it's a it's a I self assume. it's a self-sacrificial thing you're doing. We appreciate
1: it. <laughs> okay. Yes. A lot of you know,
2: maybe I am Jesus. <laughs> we you're, were trying to get to that. You're 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 too white. You can't say that Back in this environment. <laughs> I didn't think so, it before, but now I am. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so it's interesting for me um, to be talking, to be friends with you, Joseph, and talking to you, Kevin, about this because Can, I am what, so someone who makes things. Not, friends? Friends? <laughs> not so yeah, perhaps yeah, someday. friends with Joseph. Yeah, and we'll, see. Talking to yeah. well, I'll let you know by the end of this podcast. Oh, good. good, um, good. But I, I am someone who makes things. I am yeah. quote unquote an artist. I I make films. I write books, and so I I do these things where I publicly put out my work. Mm. And essentially, you know, we talked about this a little earlier, Joseph, that essentially you have to be okay with, if you're going to publicly put something out, you have to be okay with people having different opinions on it. Yeah. But knowing the difficulty it takes to yeah. write a book or, which is a thousand times harder, make a movie yeah. to get, you know, maybe a hundred people to come together with a script, with money, with all these different right. things to coalesce into something that turns out it, it, to actually become an actual beautiful or good or quality project. Yeah. A product is really, really hard. Yeah. And so and part of me, so on one side, I'm going, you know, I am a man of faith, and I love films, and I love art, and I believe that God created the universe beautifully, and I think that if we're going to reflect him in our own creation, it ought to be beautiful and good. On the other hand, I'm someone who has tried to create something before, and knows how hard it is. Right. So I have, I'm... I'm no, like, and that's again, I've been on the side, too, before, you know, with of,
0: with making something, and making art, and when you put Like, you know, that much time, it's like, you know, you spend like two years making something and somebody rips it apart in a casual way. It's like, you're not being casual about the work of art that you spend two hours watching. You're being
1: casual about two years of my life. Because I know I literally have friends who have made movies, they have sold their houses. They have sold their cars. Their families are living in apartments so they can make this dream of becoming a filmmaker come true. Now that doesn't have me bearing on how good their piece of art
2: is. But no. I do want to well, see. Well, and nobody more. asked them to do that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, I think that's the difficulty with when I hear that because I know it's true. And, uh, but for one, people do it. Like people succeed, people sell their houses and, and make good movies. So I know it's possible. That, you're right,
1: it's true. And sometimes I want to ask with wisdom, my new. Um, mantra, essentially, that, I, that I'm that i screaming to everyone I know, especially young filmmakers and actors, is don't follow your dreams, follow your skills, because I think mm. the world has lied to us about following our dreams, and a lot of people are following no. dreams. They have no business in in following, not because, you know, they're bad people, but because God hasn't created them, or, or whatever you want to think, however, this works, or they haven't honed this, these skills. They shouldn't be following these dreams, because they're not going to be good at it, and no matter how much sacrifice you give into this, and whatever story you have to bring to the table when you put forth your movie maybe you shouldn't have been doing that and you should have left it to someone who is good but that being said um i do i'm, I'm really torn on this because on one side i want my faith to be reflected in a beautiful way in a way that actually doesn't just preach to the choir in a way that actually connects to people and their human experience and in, in a meaningful way that can actually change hearts and opens up eye, open eyes i want that to happen on the other hand i do think sometimes if i see a problem with critics that's one of two one of two things. They compare apples and oranges, so they will watch, uh, you know, I don't sure. know. Sure, oh, yeah. a, a faith-based movie and say, well, this isn't Scorsese's, um, you know. Goodfellas. Yeah, exactly, or, and, and you're <laughs> going you to say, uh, Last Temptation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there you go. But, but I, there I, is a Google, level. Uh, you compare those two, one was made yeah. for, you know, 50,000, one was made for multi-millions of dollars. But no, and, so yeah, they're trying to do different things. Exa- and they're trying to do different things. In number two, actually there's I have a lot of I have a lot of um, we go. a
0: lot of problems with those critics. Yeah, I do, <laughs> yeah.
1: But I also have to get, get, get weird, it all out. Yeah. <laughs> this is really just a therapy session. <laughs> we're not even recording. Um, but uh, number two, Kevin, you know, you were you were an outspoken uh, in your political views about you know being a faith in favor of the free market. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, you know, very often you're criticizing films that are actually successful, that the market wants, that yep. the market has said. Okay, this is a product we want to pour our money into. Sometimes, multi, I mean, 50 million, how much money did God's Not Dead make? was not it? 52 million and, and just in their theater run? Like, that's insane. Unfortunately, yes. And so, <laughs> you, you can think, we can talk about the quality of it for sure. sure, and I have ad nauseum, but the reality is the market wanted it. So, I feel that oftentimes the criticism is misplaced to the filmmaker when it maybe should be placed on the audience. I feel like oh, it, Christians it is, yeah. aren't no, I agree. good. enough art and I feel like had they said I want better films I want films that are more quality I'm not going to spend my money on you know this kind of trite whatever I feel like we would have better films so sometimes I feel like the criticism ought to be maybe taken off the filmmakers a bit not totally but more aimed at the audience and why are you buying this why are you supporting this kind of movie because it's not good we would see better movies so I wonder
2: do you guys ever feel like perhaps the audience needs critics absolutely like 100 percent I I've always said that my videos aren't for the filmmakers. The fact that like mm. directors did get in touch with me was a surprise because <laughs> <laughs> I, there's other there's other people out there yeah. um, but like I, my that's why I compare it to amazon reviews that's why i um, yeah. you know they are for the audience mm. and the best comments or or feedback that I've gotten has been people saying hey i I kind of nonchalantly felt like this movie was fine, and I watched your review. And not that they're like, "Oh, you you made fun of it," so I don't like it. But they, <laughs> I try to be very specific in pointing out the reasons why I didn't like a movie or why I, right. I think it's not great. I think God's Not Dead is a great example of that because there was such a rabid kind of, uh, you know, campaign surrounding it. And so I pointed out that I feel like this movie, part of it is. A kind of a marketing scheme to convince it's a it's a commercial for itself yeah to, yeah and to let audiences know hey the filmmakers are whether you uh feel it or not they might be using you to promote their movie and yeah. that's any marketing campaign but they're using your your faith yeah um, so you're you're kind of evangelizing for their product rather than for jesus christ right and in that, even the product, I don't feel represents Christ very well. That yeah. the, the the part where he asks, um, you know, he he kind of the main atheist admits why he's an atheist, and and the kid proceeds to yell at him and, and say, "Why do you hate <laughs> yeah. God?" in front of the whole class, instead of saying, "Hey, I I hear your heart, and let's go have coffee and forget about embarrassing you in front of the class." Like I think that's more. Yeah the christ-like thing to do not that i i know the mind of christ but i would i would prefer it that uh that winning against that guy you think that your heart would change after you heard his his heartfelt story and so i i i do think that critics should keep in mind that they're not there to change the christian film industry or the or the real film industry even (laughs) <laughs> wait are you saying christian
0: films aren't real yeah whoa <laughs> <laughs> well, hot take
2: the tea uh it, and that's the funny thing about great point the christian film industry in and of itself is not a genre because it can be all kinds of genres but it's right the old it's art art it's market yeah so it's it's you can compare it very much to kids movies where it's there are great well done kids movies. And then there right. are crappy kids movies and the crappy kids movies often get more play or more attention just because they're kids movies. And right. and it feels, you can feel that there's an attitude of like, well, it's for kids, so it's fine. And that happens in Christian content as well, yeah. because there's that built in audience. So yeah, you're right. I think that audiences, um, cri- as I think as a free market person i think that critics are an essential part of that because yeah. um because that's the hope is to kind of educate audiences to to demand right. more and to view it as okay a, a dollar is a vote uh yeah i pay for the this, audience has power and you're i'm saying the i want this and and i think it's very important because um i watched a thing that had uh it was tyler um tyler smith Tyler Smith, yeah. He, yeah. He Friend did a, of the podcast. Friend of the podcast, yes. Great, yeah. His movie, he has all these clips from- Yeah, when, Real Redemption, um, yep. Yeah, when, uh, when Scorsese's movie came out, um, yep. The Last Temptation, and all these Christians criticizing and saying, this is terrible, this is the worst thing ever, and it's blasphemy and stuff. And sure, that could be true, but like that was one of the best made movies mm. that had Jesus portrayed in it. And it was portrayed by somebody who- from what I understand, I don't think is a, a hardcore Christian or anything. Sure. Yeah.
0: It's, I think that that's an interesting thing as we bring up sort of the free market and people voting. Another thing to point out is voting with your view. Voting with your view. The free market also is voting for critics. You know, the interesting. one thing that audiences do want, and this is something I've experienced, you know, you know just in my personal life. The, the more I became the guy who saw a lot of movies— the more people came to me and said, hey, what movies do, what do you, you recommend? Think? I do that. I what? watch movies, and I want to know your opinion on them. Right, exactly, because there is a sense in which, again, like, you know, if there's if I have questions about carpentry, to use a carpentry example, I don't know why I'm using carpentry. Jesus, that's why. It's <laughs> a right. Christian podcast. <laughs> exactly. Faith-based podcast. But, um, like, you know, if I was a question about carpentry, or, like, you know, uh, I'm going to go to a carpenter. It's like, he because he spent more time on it than I he knows Mm -hmm. more about it and so somebody's like okay you've seen a lot more movies than I have you probably have spent a lot more time thinking about it and knowing sort of the stuff that I couldn't articulate you know like you will be able to help me articulate or you'll be able to help me think about it in a better way so I can become a better viewer it is possible to become a better viewer and part of the way that you do that is through the mentorship of people who have spent more time on it than you and I think that that's you know, and that's what we do, is that when you have critics, people saying this, we, we, I, you know, people watch Kevin's podcast I mean, and listen to Kevin's podcast, watch his videos, and they're voting to say, yes, we like to see the way you give opinions to help shape my view of this thing. And I think that that's... You clearly. wouldn't have a... Neither of you have a career as critics if people didn't read your reviews or watch your reviews. Exactly, they didn't want their reviews in that way. And I, so I think, I think that that's interesting. So uh, going a really deep cut, it's really interesting. I mean, like most of the people I know who love modern art today? This is fascinating. Most people I know who are passionate Wait, about modern
1: post-modern art or modern art, modern art, modern art. If you recall, modern
0: art um, <laughs> say whenever I hear their story, the first time they ever uh, they said that they loved modern art was not when they saw modern art, is when they read a critic explain what was beautiful about modern mm-hmm. art, and then they could see the modern art in a new way because they didn't know the effect it was going to have on them or the potential for the effect to have on them before somebody explained it. And this goes back, I mean, like into the Bible too, where, you know, I, what a professor once pointed out to me that um, when, you know, in the story of Moses, when the, when the Israelites are going to, are trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea, what's interesting is that Moses goes up to them and he says, guys, I want you to know you're going to be saved from this. And I want you to know before it happens, God did it. And the thing is, it wasn't obvious that it was going to be God who saved them until an interpreter, somebody could say, help explain to them what they saw. Mm. And I think that that is a very sacred duty to be somebody who has eyes are trained to see either because God has chosen you or because like myself or because you're just really good at it like Kevin for those Uh, who have eyes to see exactly to to be able to help other people see and that's the thing is you listen to critic and sometimes you disagree with the critic but sometimes the critic pointed out something to you that once you they show
1: it to you you agree with it and you realize what was that film that you made me hate we watched it and (laughs) and I initially liked it and was like oh that was pretty good and then you said Well, actually, it's the Mister Rogers movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh yeah, no, I hate it. Yeah, initially, (laughs) (laughs) It spoiled my fun and made me hate it. And that's how
0: I know I'm a good critic. It's like
1: you dislike more things. Yeah, well, oh yeah, no, you definitely made me dislike a lot of things. But so, so, I have
2: a question based on what you just said. Please, Um, because I I hear what you're saying, I see what you're saying, uh, but does that is there a difference? And because what you're talking about with modern art. I feel is so much closer to like, like essays and like video essays you see like nerd writer sure, uh, doing is an analysis. Is there a difference between somebody who's a critic and somebody who's interpreting and, and giving uh, a thoughtful analysis to allow you to have a different perspective on a film? Um,
0: I think that there's, it's a spectrum. I think to a certain uh, degree, yes. Yeah. You know, some <laughs> things can
2: have spectrums. First, yeah. first postmodern art. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah geez. Joseph. Yes. So my thing is that all, you know, you talk about film criticism or art criticism as saying, hey, as a, as a customer review. But mm-hmm. even the customer review, what you're doing, and I've watched your videos, is giving context of why, how to think about it. It's a different mm-hmm. way of thinking about the work because you analyze it, you tell a story about it, you pick it apart. and that's. And you often do it in a narrow sense for a narrow purpose,
2: yeah, or but, narrow minds.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, like myself. Um, and but what? But but you can also analyze and break it down and tell a story about it and interpret it, help the audience interpret it for a broader sense in terms of culture, in terms of like water. But you're still doing the thing where you're helping interpret a work.
1: Yes. Now, see, I will say, now I'm friends with a lot of filmmakers, both secular and Christian. And I, there is a running um, mentality, maybe emotion, towards critics. And it's, you know, those guys are awful. They're just, you know, all, all the tropes. So, yes, we are. Yes, go on. But the thing is, I, I typically defend you. Now, I, I have a chip on Thanks my shoulder. You, I appreciate that. And if, and if you come after me, then you're wrong. Sure. But no, I genuinely, generally, I defend critics. And I'll tell you why. is because I want both of you, I, as critics, I want you to educate the audience. And that's why I brought this up. And I'm glad to hear that. This is something in your minds as you are critiquing that you're yep. talking to the audience and how to think and how to how to look at these things and to ask for better art. And the reason I appreciate that is because as a filmmaker, and especially one who is in a niche genre, if you can call it that, the the faith based world, you can. I think yeah. you would. Yes. But um, as someone who lives there and makes my money there and sells movies there. I have, as I'm going to write a script, have these ideas and they're outside the box and, you know, I want to explore them and I'll be interesting. I might want a character to be authentic to what a human actually would look like and to curse and to, and to do things that, you know, Christians aren't comfortable seeing with on screen because that's reality. And I want to portray reality um, in my films. But then I find myself going, oh, no, I can't, can't write this. this. Mm-hmm. This character has to say, oh, crud. Um, yeah. Or, gosh darn it, because... Whoa, language. Yeah, I know, sorry. <laughs> Explicit episode, guys. Because I, I fear, oh, I'm not going to be able to sell yeah. this creative, more human, more exploratory art. I have to make something that will cater to the audience I know that my uh, livelihood rests in. And mm-hmm. so I end up having to polish my art in ways I never wanted to. So I actually have this really soft spot for critics because I want critics to help... Help tell the audience, no, ask for more creative things, ask for more human things, ask for things that, that actually mirror the human experience and that will be ultimately more effective and have more weighty results um, as, a, as a result. And so I, that's why I, I really do appreciate critics and actually encourage more critics to come on and in a loving way. That's, yeah, I'm in, at least in a constructive way, yeah. um, help filmmakers and audiences ask for better because I want to be able to explore more and make better art. So in that way, I commend you. No, I am interested, and I'll go back to a question I asked a little bit earlier um, of both of you. When you are critiquing something, criticizing something, do you take into account um, the means, the budget, the reality of what it took to make this film or is everything based off of Hollywood films? In other words, when you go into at ball, you're not expecting these kids to be Derek Jeter. Um, you say, "Oh, but they have potential." Do you look for potential? Do you look for? You, do you take into account the reality of what it took to make this film? Or is everything based off of this objective, good or bad? No, like is it this habit.
2: Citizen Kane? If it's not, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah, the real reason they're like, "God's not dead" is because it wasn't Citizen Kane. Yeah. <laughs> That's- so do you take that into account when you are critiquing something, or or do you think that's something that shouldn't be taken into account—the budget, the reality of how it, uh, of all the practical things it took to make make this?
2: Me, you, uh, yeah, absolutely. I even <laughs> will mention the budget. Usually, I haven't more recently, just because the internet is wrong most of the time. <laughs> <Not too much. laughs> Wait, what? what? But like, yeah, I, I, in fact, um. Yeah, I, I do. I always take that into account. I try to give a bit of, of like, hey, this movie. Like, I avoided reviewing uh Flywheel for a long time, even though people were like, review Flywheel. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, this is just a church decided to make a movie. It wasn't, right, like, yeah. you know. And so when I did review it, I, I prepared the audience to say, look, I didn't want to do this. I basically said <laughs> what I just said. There. You asked for this. You <laughs> yeah. guys wanted this, but remember, this is – Come on. And I actually, for what it is, I think Flywheel is a charming movie. I think it right. could be cut I'm, I'm down interested. a lot, but it's cute. Do you, now,
1: that being said, are you harsher on bad movies with huge budgets?
2: Yes. I
0: mean, so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You go I know it.
2: that like a big budget doesn't, I'm harsh on big movies with bad scripts like yes. big yeah. budgeted movies with bad scripts because it doesn't cost much to do that but you you know it costs something to get a good writer in there to, to do a draft of the script but like not that much to be completely honest yeah. there's a lot of good writers who really just want to work <laughs> yeah. which is typically what i'll you know even on lower budget if the scripts yeah if the script is lacking even right. just simple things because i don't i've ne- my reviews don't have the budget of any movie that i review. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I'm not saying that my review is like a movie. <laughs> it's not supposed to be, but I'm not. You can say it down. If you want, but <laughs> like wh- whatever movie I'm criticizing, they've got more money than me, and I'm not saying like this in a in a Marxist kind of way, but just kind of in a it it would be rude to make fun of a kid who's just trying to make like right, um, <laughs> like use his iPhone but and like- made something with his brother. Uh, but if I can
0: light my set this well, you certainly can. <laughs> right,
2: like, like my, my thought is, if I'm noticing this, I think that's more what it is, just yeah. in terms mm. of like screenwriting, if I'm noticing it, and I don't, like you mentioned kind of somebody who does this all the time, and I'm, I do think of myself more as an audience member, I'm not, I mean, I, I, like Tyler Smith you mentioned, he is somebody who, he knows all the words even. To yeah, yes. <laughs> he knows what the words mean and the definition. Yeah. So, like, I, th- I see him as like a critic, like in Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get, we'll, we'll tell him you said that. Yeah. Where <laughs> I see <laughs> myself as like slightly more analytical than mystery science theater. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I
2: grew up what? on that so good. I, I feel like there's there is a level, maybe I do that because it gives me a pass that I'm like, look, it's just a joke. But I do think that spectrum that you talked about, like, you have on one end, you have people like, like, you know, the people on Rotten Tomatoes who you're like, how could they give 100% to some movie you've never heard of? And then on the other end, you have Cinema Sins. Yeah. And there is that middle ground there. But, like, yes, taking taking into account what – yeah. What goes into a movie, there's so much that goes in, because I'll review a movie, and I'm like, well, the script was really great, and it's too bad they didn't have a better budget. Or I'm like, man, that character development is fantastic, and it makes me forget that this movie right. did have a low budget. Mm. Um, and yeah. so I'll latch on to that sort of thing. But if a movie, like, has a terrible script and has a big budget, and it's – like, like uh, I reviewed Batman v. Superman, and I'm like, man, how – does yeah. this, how does How's that much that money same. go into something same. and it end up like this?
1: Because producers aren't <laughs> yeah. writers,
2: but they think they are. Yeah. No, I
0: think I, I agree with that. To a certain degree, I'm a little, I'm a little less likely to give leeway for budgets hmm. because, you know, you should have taken your budget into account and made a movie that you
2: could make. That's mm-hmm. a big criticism. Absolutely. I yeah, that, a, that does make sense. Like, I look at Samson, and I'm like, you couldn't do it, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, that's an, I get that you didn't have gladiator budget to make this movie, but if you didn't have gladiator budget, then why'd you make the movie? Well, I tell young filmmakers all the time, right. before you make that script
1: that you've been working on for five years, it has 17 explosions, three car chases, and, you know, the lead man is Daniel Craig, first write a movie with two characters in one room. Right. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And so it's, it's right. kind of like easy
1: right and so to a certain degree but I also agree with you I'm like I'm
0: I'm much harsher a lot of times like on things that are easy to get right or easier to get right interesting than I am things that are harder to do you know and it's like again for the script it's like look you know nobody is waiting for your film yet spend more time on the script to get it right before it's you know before you have to you know make the movie and certain things like you know You know, there are other movies where the thing you're trying to do has been done before. Maybe watch those movies and lift the Mm. way that they solve the problem. Like one of the things copy other movies. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example. Like, you know, I see all the time people having trouble with exposition and Mm. like leaving out exposition or doing exposition that doesn't work or is lazy or stuff like that. And I will just say, look, if you if you wanted if you're not a good writer and you or don't write a movie but like if you're if you don't aren't as skilled and you don't know how to do exposition watch guardians of the galaxy because yes their exposition was clunky but they it, it, they established a whole galaxy and a whole characters a whole world with some Atrocious exposition, like you know, I am a daughter of Thanos, just like you are. <laughs> they walk into a room, <laughs> yes, yeah. and like you know, but it worked, and they made it work. We and both
2: like, know okay. that we're
0: daughters of Thanos. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's like and it's like look, if they can do it and it works, like you know, tr- at least try that, and you're not even trying that. So, certainly, yeah. it's kind of like well, have you watched other movies? Like, there are other movies that have solved yeah. this problem before. And it's yeah. like, well, if you can't actually do it on the budget that you have the resources, then
1: do a different movie. But I will point out, and, and I agree with what you're saying, you did just tell young filmmakers to go watch one of the most expensive film franchises in history <laughs> and to take from that. Yeah, the script. It was not one of the most expensive so scripts okay. in history. Okay, true, true, true. <laughs> that's, that's fair. And well, I will say, I've noticed... But it almost-
2: is good to learn from... Uh, from expensive movies in ter- but you have to, you do have to know what you're looking for because right. you will have people who are like yeah i i agree with all that but not know like what to do but yes. actually no. and like looking at like dallas jenkins talks about that he talked about that at the at the film festival that that we were at uh about being a student of film like yeah. if you're gonna make a movie mm. and i thought i'd never heard someone say that but i guess i i I felt it, and when yeah. it I was like, oh, well, that- and that goes
1: for writers too. If you're going to mm-hmm. write a
2: novel, be
1: someone who loves reading literature. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I have noticed in both of your work and many critics, you do you do talk about the writing, the story structure. More often than you talk about the actors, yeah. Which I am. You're very For one, by no, no, for one. I'm very happy. <laughs> oh, you're happy. You're happy about it. Most actors get a pass, and the thing is, I want to start. Well, I'm not going to. But I would love to see if you actually criticize acting performances. But that's what I'm mm. always watching as an actor. see, come on, make this real, make this authentic. You should do it. You yeah. should do it. You but should, the thing well, you said I is, usually you know,
2: will just repeat whatever the line was because I know when I repeat it, it's going to sound bad. So I'll just <laughs> those are, honestly, those
1: are my favorite directors, <laughs> um, and I've actually I've actually worked with someone you've had on your podcast, David Schultz, and I always love this when he and I worked on a, a couple films of his, and the way he directs is and I, I absolutely love it. Maybe not everyone does. Is he'll take me outside, you know, he'll see it's not working, and he'll take me outside, and he'll literally just give me the scene in the way he has in his head. I'm like, oh, that's really good. And he'll (laughs) walk back in, and I'll be like, okay. I deli- mean, because he gave me a vision for yeah. how it should look, and it makes sense, and then I'll go do it. Oh, that's but great. you see, but directors
2: avoid it. doing that because a lot of actors hate that. A lot of actors don't want. They do that because, because they're prideful. They're yeah. like, "Well, I, let me do. I'm. Let me own this character. Right. And interpret it's not it their character. <laughs> that, 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 it belongs to the audience. It belongs
1: to the writer and the director. That is pride. And actors, if you're listening, be willing to listen to a director. He can see things you cannot. As 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 my favorite. Uh, as he is. Your God in this story, he's creating. Let oh, listen to this him.
0: Like scripture. well,
1: don't take that too far. Don't
0: yeah. make
2: him God. In all Worship him. Worship your director. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, there's a few of those too. I mean, I don't know if you guys have watched I wouldn't
0: mind that. yeah, David
2: Schultz does like. That's cool. I don't know if you guys have watched the those like GQ videos where like an actor goes through their whole. Like, is that oh, sec- yes, Is yes that effect. secular media?
1: Yes, it is. <laughs>
2: but there's one with uh, with Willem Dafoe. And there's a line in there where he was like – he, it was, it was the greatest video I've ever seen, the best interview I've ever seen an actor give because he was like, I have just – he's just one of the most humble people I've ever yeah. seen. It was amazing because he always plays these kind of off weird characters. Yeah. And he was like, I see myself I, – I just love being an actor, and I see myself as a color in the palette of the director, yeah, and I just love, love being able to do that. And I'm like, that is – so humble. I, I and love so it. few I actors have them. that attitude.
0: Whereas and, and, Chris Pratt says, um, you know,
1: I am an elaborate prop. Yeah. <laughs> I think the great thing about filmmaking is you're not going to make it unless you have a little bit of humility. And I mean that as an actor, or the producer, or the writer, whatever you are. Stanley
0: Kubrick would disagree, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he maybe has earned his right to his <laughs> ego. But I do think there is... This is an act of humility, and listening to criticism is an act of humility. And as Christians, what did Jesus say over and over again? Humility is one of the central themes to following God. And if you can't walk in as an actor, a filmmaker, whatever it might be, as a writer, if you can't walk in with a little humility, Mm. I'm not saying just let people run over you, but I am saying, listen, try to learn, try to expand your vision of what you or whatever your project's working on could be. And and, and learn is, how to
2: filter out, like fil- sift through it. Yeah. Because yes. a lot of it's going to be crap. Yeah, oh, most like, of it
0: is. But you have to look for those voices you trust. So the thing is, yeah. most people, a lot of people, can't do that. And I'll put this in my category. Like the reason it's hard for me, and I'm working on avoiding it, is that we attach so much of our identity to our work. Oh and yeah, I'm that.
1: I'm no longer a human.
0: I am an actor. <laughs> so yes, yeah. exactly.
2: But because it's like, why else would you pour that much energy and effort and time right. into it?
0: But the thing is, you know, and again, you know, because I can do this on this podcast, you know, our identity is in Christ. It's not in mm. our. Mm. So it's like, if, and, I, and yes, I am about to quote, uh, refer to Jesus, but also quote Ayn Rand in the same sentence. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> but I know a lot of people could be mad, but like, you know, just listen to what I say. There's a line in the fountainhead that they repeat often enough where they say, I talk about the things the bad people do to people to say let it go so far deep, but no deeper. Interesting. And it's just like, you know, when people are criticizing your work, it's like, I think about this, like, look, they might be saying something good. They might be something, something bad, but whatever they're saying, it doesn't hit you at the deepest core of who you are. And so that Mm. means you can listen to it without pain because they're not hitting you at the deepest core of who you are, because
1: they're not, because this is not the deepest core of who you are, even if you think it is. Interesting. Okay. Well, with that, I'm going to have one last question and then we'll get to our... um, I almost said pluses and minuses. No. Blesses and curses. You have to
0: stay on brand. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> a little
1: heavier with blessing and cursing. But my last question is, has there ever been a review for either of you that you look back in one of a few things that you realize was far too hit a personal place and you were used to a like, to ad hominem? Or is there a review that you look back and realize, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. Or at the very least, has you, have you ever looked back on a review that you have regretted? And I say this, in you know, a preface with audience, I forgot to mention this. Kevin actually has critiqued in, in a full video a film that I have been in. So this is your, <laughs> you're hoping is your my chance. answer
2: will be your film. <laughs> I
1: have.
0: Give you one actually, last chance. I think chance, it's one of
1: your best work is um, is the one I was in. So feel no need. I, I enjoyed that review too. Yeah. Um,
2: See, those movies are the most fun to review interesting Uh, like like those those kinds of more independent films um i don't know i i i enjoy them because i i there's so much heart but yeah Yeah. there's also a lot of cringe so (laughs) (laughs) so much those things go together
1: quite often yeah
2: yeah
0: i i will say i have and i i know no people will not be uh surprised to hear this i don't think that i have ever i i ever regretted um, um um a review of a movie i think i have like i've given rankings of movies in the past and i've said mm. you know what that film should have been lower on the list and that film should have been higher i've done that real pride <laughs> i'm God, very prideful huh? <laughs> extremely prideful. i will say however i have do regret how one time i reacted to somebody's criticism of a review that i've done because i, I dish it out <laughs> you can dish it out yeah. yeah no because i i reviewed the the darren aronofsky noah film mm-hmm. and i was critical of it for you know i was critical of the movie and a lot of my friends my very cool sophisticated christian friends at my cool sophisticated christian college came up to me and told me what a horrible person i was for <laughs> not liking that, it for not liking the no film and so the thing is because i had so many people do that when somebody came up to me mm. and wanted to have a sincere conversation about what they loved about the film and my thoughts on it and things like that i thought i was going to be attacked and so i acted defensively and turned it into an argument which it wasn't intended to be and that was all on me because i was hearing it not the way mm. she was intending it
2: interesting did you punch this person
0: <laughs> they they're gone
1: they're not with us anymore
0: no no like i, I kind you know, of regret story, it you know i you know like they found found the back of a truck somewhere yeah no. yeah
2: <laughs> You slightly regretted a little bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. You know, I, get, I, I lose a little sleep, yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, I, I talked a little bit about what I said about Alex and Stephen Kendrick um, mm-hmm. on, on a video that I did. I, I actually made a video where I kind of analyzed the ending because I basically said that, uh, that they're arrogant jerks. <laughs> and I was extrapolating from why would you have five movies all – like this was war room uh yeah. all to like all successful uh relatively speaking from the amount of money it costs to make. why right. are you still the ones writing these movies was mm. uh, kind of my criticism, and I still think that's that's valid, but my assumption then, when I decided to try to figure it out, I assumed it was probably somewhere uh like along the lines of George Lucas, who didn't right. let anybody write on uh on the prequels and i don't think that's the reason like knowing the kendricks now i think they're very nice people and very humble people and it's not that uh i think that it can come across that way because i think that they're 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 ministers at heart and they don't care about making movies as much as they care about sharing jesus and right as bad as that makes their movies because i think that's a not a great motivation for making movies like i don't care about the quality i care about the message uh, be, and i i've elaborated on that i don't want that to sound I think like quality is
1: message and i think that's something you I call I think quality,
2: quality can carry a message much better than uh, than a bad a poor movie yeah. but i think that it's because they they want to make sure the message is solid and they don't want to just give their like that's the, that's their sermon is the script. And right. so they're like, well, so I get it. I still disagree with it right. in terms of like, all right, if you choose to do that, then you are going to have film critics saying, if you choose to make a movie and the movie isn't a good movie, then that's going to, that, you get everything that goes with it. Phenomenal <laughs> yeah, yeah. cosmic powers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: wow. This has been good. By the way, I wanna say real quick before we wrap up, cause I know you're not gonna say that about yourself, Joseph. Um, all of you, if you wanna know uh, Joseph's critiquing abilities, so when Scorsese came out and critiqued oh, no. <laughs> Marvel, Joseph took it upon himself to critique Scorsese's critique and he ended up in the New York Times. Oh, so nice. you'll find this, this is a fun uh, little tidbit and you can see the heart of Joseph's critique. Cool. Uh, and also I'm gonna plug both of you guys uh, before you can plug yourselves, go watch um, Say Goodnight, Kevin. It really is fantastic. The editing, the quality, uh, the insight into these films. It's really fun too. It's like a TV it show. It really is, yeah. And uh, Joseph, go read his reviews on Religion Unplugged. We have a couple up on theoverthinkerjournal.com. Uh, By couple, the, we mean one. These <laughs> guys are the reviewers you should be listening to. Now let's move into Blessings and Curses. Okay. So
0: um, we always let the guests go first if they want to. We told you before, we have blessings or Curses of the Week, uh, a piece of art that you want to uh, bless or a piece of art you want to curse you didn't like this week. Do you have any? Kevin, do you want one of us to go first? I'll let you
2: guys go first so I can get a feel. So you can think of something. Okay,
0: you, Nathan, do you have yours ready? Okay.
2: Yeah, I will go first. Actually, I don't have a
1: huge curse this week. I got to think of something to hate. So um, my bless is the movie Birdman. Okay. Because, and you guys take this with a grain of salt. I love critics. I've all, all, you know, you guys are great. But it was a little cathartic to watch this scene. And the movie is about actors and writers. And how horrible actors are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) And there's a great scene where one of the actors just rips apart a critic. Yeah. And I got to tell you, it was really cathartic. And I really love this movie. Aside from that, I love the only reason I like the movie, all right? It's a really fantastic movie. It's creative. Oh, it's very well done. The, the acting performances are amazing. The, it's just really, really unique, um, but interesting yeah. and, and insightful into both humanity and art and, and all these things. But I will say, one of the reasons I really liked it was because I got to cathartically watch what every actor wants to do is meet his critics uh, and, and just rip them apart in a meaningful monologue. Yes, so that was exactly. really, really fun. And I really like that. That's fair. Okay, so
0: my bless. I'm actually going to because we, we talked about this roomuded this at the beginning. I'm going to take one of the films, one of the Christian films that I've seen that I think actually was unfairly maligned by critics, um, which is the movie Believe Me, which ah. is, it's a satire Christian subculture. It's basically like Babylon B before Babylon B existed, and it's um, it, it's a and it's really well done. It's, it's serious, but also funny, and, and really, and really... It I does, enjoyed
1: it. I went a long time ago. Yeah, it, it does. But the
0: thing is, it got, you know, it, like, the Rotten Tomatoes score was something like, you know, 35% of oh, wow. or something like that. And I was like, you know, that was a case where it was kind of like, I, I think you're wrong about this. Like, this is a good Christian film, and you're still talking about it as if it's not. Um, so that's, I, I say, if people want actually a good example of what it's like to do all the things that Christian films try to do, but actually do it effectively um I would say watch that. Also Christian satire is a very under underappreciated <laughs> art form. I don't know if that even exists. Yeah. Just outside it's, of just movie. one movie. Just yeah. one movie. Outside um,
2: of Babylon B. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty yes. Much. Pretty much. Yes.
0: Um the other thing I will say is I will I will uh I guess, you know I, I will curse and I, hmm, should I curse this or should I curse something you else? Do, curse both. Okay, I will curse, and I, I feel bad about this, but I'm gonna curse the new Superman film, Superman Man of Tomorrow. Okay. Um, I really, I love Superman. You, you know, you've listened to this podcast, you know how much we both love Superman. Yeah. And one of the things I just go, it's watching Superman is a bit like watching Christian films for me because I love him as a character and there's like maybe three stories of him that I like. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot of them that just don't do a good job. And one of the things, again, it's that people have trouble doing is they have good setup and don't know how to pay it off. This is Mm -hmm. something I see in screenplays all the time where um, they don't know how to develop and pay off the storyline in a way that's it's meaningful. And again, it became very Christian filmy because it was very talky and very like, here's the message of the film, without knowing how to actually carry off that message, integrate that into the story so that you felt it and showed it rather than told it. Um, And so like, I love the first half of the movie, but the second half completely fell apart in that way. And I'm just be like, people do better show. Don't tell, you know, pay things off well, and do better with Superman and Christian films. Uh, so that's, I think mm. that's, uh, that's what I'll do as my first of the week. Perfect. So, and, uh, Kevin McCreary, what about you?
2: Well, before I go, I know you guys probably have everything timed out. Uh, no, I no, want no. to we do know. Not. We what... do not. We actually <laughs> especially said, okay, we're doing this
0: with Kevin McCreary. We're going to do a longer
2: episode. This guy talks a lot. <laughs> yes. Uh, what did you think of, uh, of Red Sun. Oh, I loved Red Sun. Yeah.
1: Red Sun was amazing. You guys nerding out right now?
2: Gotham yeah.
0: by Gaslight was better, but Nerd Sun was Yeah, Red that Sun was great. Amazing. Nerd Sun. Nerd Sun, yeah. Still
2: like, hey, the title of my you... next <laughs> film. The title of my next film. Yes. The cool thing about it, and that's, this is what I think is really exciting about. I'm going to nerd out for just for a second because I, yes. I have this thought. This is what I think is exciting about what DC is now doing with their movies. Sure. Based on this past week. They're realizing, oh, we can do kind of Else World type yeah, thing multiverse. And yeah. people won't get confused. We can yeah. release – and I think Joker probably gave them that yeah. perspective. But, like, oh, we can release two different Batman trailers for, for two different movies, two different people playing it, and people will get it. Yeah. Um, and that's what they've been able to do in the animation, and obviously that's from the comics. But, yeah, Red yeah. Sun was awesome, yeah. and yeah. Gaslight was uh, pretty awesome, too. Yeah. So and, – and, we'll- uh, I liked Ninja, Batman Ninja. So I haven't seen that one. that one. Yeah, it's an interesting animation. Like they, they, it's computer animated. Right, I saw the trailers. Yeah, yeah, it, it's weird. Anyway, it's uh, it's got time travel. Also, and stuff.
0: Uh, what was it the the Suicide Squad movie? The animated films did. Anyway, sorry, we won't. Yeah. This is we'll do another episode where we'll have you on to talk about that.
1: <laughs> and I'll so just I will unicorns say... of tea. <laughs> yes, because <exactly. laughs> I'm reading, you know, Dostoevsky and sure, and no, yeah, course, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> um
0: but uh all right perfect so yes blessing curse of the week for you
2: all right my blessing is i don't know if you heard about this movie it's called jurassic park oh no, <laughs> tell oh me. is this an indie film <laughs> yeah it's pretty low budget <laughs> uh, i watched it recently i don't know if you guys do if it has to be modern it doesn't no if you want to see like a really, great, we were talking about exposition, and mm-hmm. the scene where they reveal the the bronc, bronchosaurus? I don't know how to say it. You're, gen- you're a critic, not a scientist. <laughs> Move <laughs> yes. on. Yes. <laughs> <got> huge dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, every person in that scene's character is developed just in that scene, mm. and starting from when they're driving in the jeep. You know who everyone is, and they're established in the scene in such a, an artful way. You know, in such a, a skillful way that you don't notice it unless you're looking for it. Yeah. Um, and they got big old dinosaurs in that scene, and so yeah, it's it's a movie. It doesn't. People say, man, it still holds up. It doesn't hold up perfectly. It's yeah. not yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> level computer <laughs> animation, but it's pretty good. Like it's pretty amazing that that was in the early '90s. Um, yeah. Great movie. Uh, it's fun. It's funny, and uh, yeah. and it's it's Steven Spielberg. It's very Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um. And a thing that I will curse is I was tricked by Netflix to watch this show called or this. Sh- it's a short called John was trying to contact aliens. Ooh. Oh, and I just
1: watched it last night, and I, and I thought it was a full documentary.
2: Yeah. And I'm, right. And it ended, and I went. Uh, Right, and really? if it what? had said something, then maybe you wouldn't feel that way. But it tricks you into thinking it's about aliens, and it's just – like, not about aliens, but about what I thought it was going to be is here's this guy who's got all this equipment, and maybe the government steps in. Like like that movie um, uh, uh, Astronaut Farmer, yeah, where, sure. like, this guy's gets shut down, and he has to fight it or whatever. But no, he just found uh, well, it turns out he's gay, and that's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "That's the twist." Is that they're just making a movie to say he found his boyfriend, and, and there's nothing it. to do and that <laughs> interestingly and
1: show me. But it was 15 minutes long, and it builds up. I totally agree. By the way, it builds up this. Oh, he has
2: all this thing, and he was unique kind of kid, and he was an outcast. And, and it out- on a dime, it <laughs> just becomes, and it's not even about that. I don't care if it had been interesting. It, if it, But it, even if it had been – even if he wasn't gay, even if he found his wife, that's not interesting. People yeah. find their wives all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just
1: didn't – I didn't understand. Yeah. I, I went to the I, end of going, what? I, I don't get I, I don't like that.
0: I don't like when they tell you you're getting one movie and they give you a different one. Yeah, because it's like Netflix's original yeah. film.
2: And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll watch it. It's about a guy who's trying to contact aliens. This will be funny or fun, or interesting, or heartfelt, and it was none of those things. (laughs) Spoiler, he
1: doesn't contact aliens. He doesn't. Also, spoiler, he does find a significant other.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because it says in the description, like, John was trying to contact aliens, but he found a different kind of first (laughs)
1: contact. Oh, no. (laughs) And I thought,
2: I should have known from that, that how clunky that that sentence was that maybe this isn't gonna be any good. So
1: this is, this is a hot take. Kevin actually looked and said, you know what, secular people can make terrible movies <laughs> as well. <laughs>
2: oh yeah,
0: yeah, there's uh, some there's Well, that's fantastic. So, well, we did a little bit of plugging earlier, but is there anything that, Kevin, you would like to plug that we haven't plugged already?
1: Anything you're working on, yeah. anything you're excited about that people can go and be excited for?
2: Um, no. <laughs> okay well that's it that's uh, do not go to say goodnight Kevin he's working on nothing <laughs> <laughs> I probably should be no I uh, I'm actually working on a video that uh, is a little more of a um, uh, video essay Ooh. that is about uh, Christopher Nolan and one of my favorite directors I Harry hope it's yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah we're yeah. waiting for that we're yeah. a big yeah, Nolan it's not years, a criticism yeah. that's what this be. podcast almost got deleted <laughs> it's actually in defense It's actually giving a a unique perspective, not in defense of, uh, but a unique perspective that maybe will help people enjoy more the movie Interstellar.
0: Mm. Well, I already love the movie Interstellar, so I'm excited about this. And and it's not even a hot
2: take because it's not like it's got like a 73 on rotten tomatoes not that that matters <laughs> but <laughs> matter. that's pretty good for most people yeah. but for christopher nolan it's it that's really bad because I normally know. he gets in the 90s and i i i probably agree with the rating uh that i, I can see why at least that's the rating but uh but i think it, there's so much to enjoy and appreciate about that movie yeah. so i'm working on a video for that but if people want to see what i'm doing I put it all on on my uh, YouTube say channel, Kevin. say goodnight, Kevin. That's
1: awesome. Th- that is right up our audience's alley. Yeah. Everybody, please, it really is a great channel. It's a lot of fun. Go to say, say goodnight, Kevin. Watch the videos. And
0: where can people find you, Nathan People Clarkson. can
1: find me most places. Um, <laughs> if you want to watch and or read my work, just type in my name, in Amazon or wherever. By the way, I have reviews on my work. I forgot to mention that a lot. <laughs> yeah, only twice. Yeah, um, but uh, you can find me at my website at NathanClarkson.me. You can find me on social media. Um, just search my name, uh, Google my name, whatever, and you'll find me. I love hearing from people. Please connect with me. Tell me but you loved or hated my work, and I will choose to respond or not respond on how, <laughs> on what you write. Uh, Joseph, where can people find you?
0: People can find me on all the socials: uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and they can also find me at uh, josephholmstudios.com. Or you can see my sketch comedy at uh,
1: Young Unprofessionals Professionals. And real quick, on YouTube. You can uh, read Joseph's uh, film reviews on Religion Unplugged. And you can read uh, more of those film reviews on the overthinkersjournal.com, which we'll be putting more up, we promise. Promise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We do love to hear from you, so please send those messages. Also, we recently started an Overthinkers group on Facebook. It's been a lot of fun. There's a couple hundred people there who are all loving getting discussions and arguing about the stuff that we find interesting. So please join the Overthinkers group on Facebook. It's a lot of fun. And also, if you like the podcast, please leave a review. It really helps us get out there. And again, we just wanna thank all of you. It's been so much fun doing this and we love hearing from you and connecting with you. It's just been a great experience. So thank you, leave a review, visit these guys' stuff and Joseph, get us out of here. Oh, thank you very much
0: everyone. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. (laughs) I hope.